The following is presented to you by Maranatha Bible Church of Comstock Park, Michigan. For more information, go to mbcmi.org. We're going to talk about um, praise and how praise can cast out fear in our life. I've been reading the Psalms a lot, and uh, this Psalm really stuck out that I want to look at today. So we're going to look at Psalm 150, the last Psalm. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We are so grateful for uh, the message we heard this morning. Just uh, the work and words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, just reminded of his uh, goodness. And I pray that as we continue looking into your word, as we read this psalm of praise and talk about it, that our hearts would be filled with, with praise for you. And that would, it would bring us to uh, the point where we are having an eternal perspective, continually praising and worshiping you from our heart, regardless of our circumstances. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so as we, as we look at this psalm, Psalm 150, uh, what are you doing, actually, when you praise God? If you had to say, this is what you're doing when you're praising God, what would you say? Just some ideas. Worshiping, okay. Giving God the glory. Yep, that's good. Anything else? Those are all good. Thanking Him. Thanking Him. Yep, that's all praise. So when you're, when you're praising God, you're doing all those things, and you are also, you're offering up grateful reverence, or that fear that we talked about, a, a reverential fear. You're offering up this grateful reverence of God, to God, along with acknowledging your dependence on Him. When you're praising him, you're acknowledging that without him, you can do nothing. He's divine, we're the branches. So we're just praising him. We're, we're doing that. And in this psalm, we're going to see some tangible ways to praise the Lord. It's not just some mystical, ethereal thing where we praise the Lord. And, no, there's tangible things we do. And in this psalm, we'll see that. We, we praise him, the, the praise that's in our heart comes out in our actions. And it comes out sometimes in song. That's an act of worship. It's, it's done in several different ways. So we'll look at that in this text. So how is a heart of praise cultivated? That's another question. How do you cultivate that heart of praise? What are some thoughts? I mean, it's, it's simple, but how do we do that? How do we cultivate this heart that wants to praise the Lord? What's that? Reading the Word. Reading the Word, right? Because that tells us about the Lord. We're reading the Word. Study God's attributes. I've been teaching through systematic theology for the ladies. And last year I taught through systematic theology with the youth. And the more you study the attributes of God, it's just amazing when you start to really dig in. And you just, you just want to praise Him and worship Him for who He is. So study the Word of God and study the attributes of God. You see his character magnified in these attributes. And it's just amazing. Our self-image, because when we do this, our self-image is put in perspective. You see, when we start to think too highly of ourselves, we, we're not, we have a wrong perspective, and we stop worshiping God. We start praising and worshiping other things. And you'll see your heart begin to put these things on the throne as more important and you're worshiping these things, if you, 
You say, I, I need this thing, whatever it may be, above God. Then be very careful. So you, you're studying the Word of God. You're studying His characteristics. This is cultivating a heart of praise and worship. You begin to have this healthy fear of God that we've been talking about as you're studying His, his attributes. A healthy fear. And when you see your position before Him, that you are dead in your trespasses and sins. And all throughout Scripture, starting from Genesis 3 all the way through, you see this emphasis on our condition before God and our need for God. And then, mixed in with that, you begin to see the attributes of God and His holiness, His greatness, His majesty, and it drives you to praise Him for what He's done for us. We don't deserve anything, yet He saved us. Praise God. Now, as we look at the Psalms, oh, I'm still in Matthew here, hold on. As we look at the Psalms, we come to Psalm 150, and we can, the, the whole book of Psalms is actually, the, the Hebrew word, it would be the books of, of praise. These are all, all the Psalms are Psalms of praise, but there's some that specifically emphasize praising the Lord. We start with the, the five verse, the five chapters that come before this one, they're all on praise. And you see this kind of um, crescendo here at the end of the book of Psalms. And with the final chapter being 150, and it's just full of praise, 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 praise. So I just want to read the first couple chapters, or not chapters, the first couple verses of those four, let's see, one, two, three, four, those five chapters that come before this one, and just listen to them. Psalm 145, 1 and 2 says, I will extol you, my God, O King, I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Psalm 146. Remember, these are the ones building up for this last one. Just the first two verses, but Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Psalm 147. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant and praise is becoming. Psalm 148, 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. And then Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and His praise in the congregation of the godly ones. So you see this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. At the end of the Psalms here, and we get to this final psalm, Psalm 150. And it's just full of praise the Lord. Every line is praise the Lord. This is a wonderful crescendo to the whole book. And this is... Well, let me, let me just read it. Psalm 150. And notice the... Well, let's just read it. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Notice I read that this morning, the introduction. Now if you look at this passage, 
you see he broke it's broken down into three three admonitions here from the psalmist first he tells us to praise the lord where first he tells us where we should praise the lord geographically where we should praise the lord secondly he tells us why we should praise the lord and then finally we see in this passage how we should praise the lord and you could go through all those previous psalms that we just talked about and they would fit in certain aspects of this So before we, we kind of dig into this, because that's what we're going to do. We're just going to exposit this, and I want to interact with you. So, but before we do that, let's talk a little bit about the context. Who is the author of Psalm 150? We don't know. We don't know who the author was, and we don't know the circumstances. And I think that's good, because it keeps the attention on the Lord. It keeps the attention on what we're doing here. We're praising the Lord. Now, the, if we look at the syntax of this psalm, this psalm or just the, the structure of the, the wordings and stuff, it's interesting that every single time it's mentioned, it's mentioned in the imperative. There's no doubt about it. It's in the imperative. The psalm is commanding us to do what? Praise the Lord. It's in the imperative. And they act as bookends. If you look at the imperative, first of all, there's no doubt about it. It says... Um, verse 1 begins with praise the Lord, and verse 6 ends with the same thing. Praise the Lord. There's that inclusio. It be begins with praise the Lord, it ends with praise the Lord, and everything in between is praise the Lord. If you count how many times the psalmist exhorts us to praise the Lord in this psalm, you'll see that the word being connected to either the word Lord, which is Yah, the personal name for God, or the word God, which is El, the God of Israel in general, or Him, again, indicating God. So it's connected to personal God, God of Israel, or just God. Praise Him. It's done 13 times in verse 6, twice in every verse with the exception of verse, of the first verse where it's mentioned three times. Just full of praise. As we look at the exhortation here, we can pull out several instructions regarding prayer. The first being, or praise, I'm sorry, as I said, where we should praise the Lord. So let's look at that. Let's look at that first section here. The first verse, he says, Praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty expanse. So the first three words there again, praise the Lord. It sets the tone for the rest of the psalm. It's a psalm of praise. Now, where does it say we should praise Him? Hmm? In His sanctuary. Or this is essentially talking about earthly Areas where praise him. The Hebrew word that's used for sanctuary here is literally holy place. This is referring to the essentially the, the temple in Jerusalem is what he's talking about. Praise him in the temple in Jerusalem. It's an earthly temple in view. So he's saying, where do you praise the Lord? You praise him in the temple. This is an Old Testament book. The Psalms were written under the Old Covenant, and that, that being the case. The author talks about the temple, the place of worship for the Jews. Remember, it's an Old Testament book. The corporate worship was done there in the temple or in the synagogue. But for us as Christians in the New Covenant, where does corporate worship take place? In church. That's true. But the fact that is, we're not relegated to just a specific specific building when it comes to praising the Lord. Yeah, we are to praise Him in church, 
But as New Testament saints, our bodies, what does 1 Corinthians 6.19 say about our bodies? Our bodies are what? Temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live within and, and, and he saved individuals. Therefore, they can worship him anywhere on earth. You can worship the Lord in your car. You can worship the Lord in your bedroom, at work, at school, when you're driving, getting your oil changed at the grocery store. Worship the Lord. Praise the Lord in those situations. There are no restrictions on where we can pray. When people hear that, praise him in a sanctuary. Well, that means we can only do it at church? No, this it's just saying... In an earthly sense, praise him in the sanctuary. Praise him in church. But be praising him everywhere. Because you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, so that's the first imperative here is praise God in his sanctuary, telling us where we should praise him. But then he moves from this earthly aspect to a heavenly aspect. He says, praise him in his mighty expanse. So it moves from this earthly view to the heavenly view. So not only are we to praise him here on earth, but also all of the saints who have died and the elect angels also who are in heaven are to worship and praise him as well. So we're to praise him here on earth, but there's more. Every, everything is to praise him. So where should we praise, the, praise God? The real answer is everywhere, whether in heaven or on earth. Praise the Lord anywhere and everywhere. Now, if we continue looking at the text, we go from where we should be praising him to why we should praise him. Any comments, though, before we move on about maybe your you know, presuppositions about worship or praising the Lord before maybe you were a Christian, what you thought about that? Any, any thoughts? Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I know, you know, before I was a Christian and I heard praise, I didn't really know what it meant, but I just thought it was, you know, people in church or something and praising would just, they'd have to raise their hands or something. You know, I didn't know. <laughs> that's what, that was my concept of what praise was. I, there was no concept of it being a lifestyle, being... You know, just like prayer. You're, you're praying without ceasing. Um, I didn't understand that. And praise the same way. We should be praising the Lord all the time. Can you speak up, Barb? I can't hear you. That's good. It, it's, it's not just words. It's the heart. It's always the heart, right? With prayer, with anything. It's the heart. It's not just a rote prayer that you say. It's okay to write your prayers down and read them, but it shouldn't just be just reading it. It should be from the heart. This is what I, really, I truly desire, Lord. I've written down the, I've gone through the um, epistles of Paul, and I've written down everywhere where Paul prays. And I pray those. But I don't just read them. I say, Lord, this is truly my desire. I pray these things would be true of me as well, in my heart. So it's okay to do that, but it can't just be words. Yes. You may have said this before I came in, but just think about John four twenty three. You know, when Jesus is interacting with the woman at the well, um, mm. the coming not, is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. 
God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. That's good. And so it's not about being, uh, you know, location-wise, but it's about the worshiping in spirit and truth. Mm. Um, and that kind of goes back to what was said about it's not just saying words; it's yeah, in your spirit as well. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, that's because you can read that and you can say, "Well, see, I'm only supposed to worship Him in the sanctuary. I'm only supposed to praise Him in church." You're missing the heart, the the whole um, reality of that praise. So we should be worshiping Him everywhere as a Christian, as a believer. Now, earthly and heavenly. So next, verse two: Why we should praise the praise God? says, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. So if we're just looking at this text strictly, it gives us two reasons here. Praise him, praise God for his mighty deeds, and praise God according to his excellent greatness. Now notice those modifying adjectives there. His mighty deeds. It doesn't just say praise God for his deeds. Which it could. But it says, praise God for his mighty deeds. Similar to John 3.16 where it says, God so loved the world. It doesn't just say God loved the world. I think of it this way. My mom, when I was little, for my birthday every year, she'd make chocolate cake. And man, she'd make the frosting from scratch. It's like a pound of sugar, powdered sugar. But man, it was so good. And she would just make it for me, you know, and that chocolate cake was so good. It wasn't just good. It was so good. And God so loved the world. Those modifiers are important when you read those in Scripture. Take note of those. Say, okay, let's, let's look at what he, why he did that. And you look at that. Praise God for his mighty deeds according to his excellent greatness. The psalmist wanted to increase the weight of this in our, our concept of God. He wants to draw us to deeper praise and deeper worship. So he says, his mighty deeds, his excellent greatness. Praise him in his mighty... But the psalmist wanted to increase the weight of that. The same thing you saw in verse 1. We didn't talk about it, but he says, praise him in his mighty expanse. And you, we don't really maybe understand how mighty that was until we start looking at space. And you just say, man, it never ends. So as you think about the deeds of the Lord, you see they're, they're mighty, and this drives you to praise. What are some of his mighty deeds that you can think of, either from Scripture or in your own life? What are some of his mighty deeds? What's that? Ba ba the, Red sea. the Red Sea? I, was, I thought he said, let's see, where would I start? It's <laughs> like, okay, well, let's go, Buzz. Okay, the Red Sea, yeah, that's, that's one. What else? What are some of his mighty deeds? Creation. Creation, yeah. What about, what's that? Salvation. Oh, that's the number one, right? Saving us wretched sinners. That's the greatest mighty deed of all, that we could be saved. I, I, look, I wrote down some examples in my notes. I don't know. I revamped my notes after I made yours, so sorry. Mine might be different. But if we look to the Old Testament, we see creation was mentioned. Genesis 1.1 tells us that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Think about that. He created the heavens and the earth. Out of nothing. Ex nihilo. That's, 
So, so with the word, the entire universe came into existence. God spoke it into existence. Then he created every creature on the earth, including man and woman. And I'd say that's pretty mighty. You could just read that, shut the Bible. That's how mighty God is. Also, delivering the Israelites from Egypt, as Buzz said in Exodus 14, God parted the Red Sea so that the Israelites could cross over safely. That's mighty deed. Exodus 16, the Lord provided manna for the people to eat while they were in the wilderness. Yet again, a mighty deed. And they liked it for a while, but then they began to complain, which, let's not be too hard on them. We would have done the same thing. But that's a mighty deed. The walls of Jericho. Joshua 6. The Lord brings down these, the walls of Jericho, giving the Israelites victory. You can look at 1 Samuel 17. David defeats Goliath. It wasn't a story about David. It was a story about God. His mighty deeds. Prophets of Baal. Remember on Mount Carmel? I think the greatest deed in that whole event, though, wasn't the fire. It wasn't any of this. The greatest deed was the people turning to the Lord. Once again, as Bud said, that was the greatest miracle that took place that day. Nineveh. Nineveh's repentance. There again, the story's not primarily about Jonah. It's not primarily about a fish. It's about God saving these people. These wretched people who were just pagans. He saved them. It's a mighty deed. We go to the New Testament and we just heard about Jesus' mighty deeds. He walked on the water. He turned water to wine. He healed these people. He creates food to feed 5,000. He causes a coin to appear in the mouth of a fish. Man, sometimes I'm fishing. I wish I could just open the mouth and there's my rent or my mortgage, you know, mortgage payment. That'd be nice. <laughs> but, I mean, these are mighty deeds. God working through the apostles. If we move from the, um, these kids, it's a mighty deed. <laughs> mighty task, I guess, to raise, but. Uh, but God working through the apostles, if we move on from Jesus, we see um, these men who were fearful and timid. Peter, all, these men were timid. They were fearful. But then you see him become bold. Peter stands up and he preaches the gospel to these same Pharisees and these men that he was terrified of just a short time before. It's a mighty deed that God can work that in these men. And then as was said already, the, the, the greatest deed, I think, is salvation for all of us. I like that verse from Hebrews 1, that Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. And I think that's a pretty yeah. mighty deed. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. Yeah. Colossians 1, all things were created by him and for him and through him and to him. And it just goes on and on and on. Those are mighty deeds. Then he says, praise him for his mighty deeds. Then he says, praise him according to his excellent greatness. So this is just referring to the character of God. His mighty deeds, but then praise him for his character as well. He's to be praised according to or in direct correlation to his greatness. Praise him based on his perfect attributes. Praise God in line with or according to his perfect love. 1 John 4, 8. Praise God in line with or in accordance with his omnipotence. 
He's all-powerful. He can do anything that's consistent with his will. There are some things he can't do, but he can't sin. But praise him for his omnipotence. Praise him for his nature. His immutability. That he's unchangeable in his essence, in his character, in his promises. Psalm 102, 25-27. His sovereignty. He's sovereign over all. Praise him for that. His perfect mercy, his grace, his compassion. We think about, I mean, I just think about some of the times when, when my kids were younger and they were still at home, or even now sometimes when I'm, you know, talking with my wife in a, a less than gracious way. And I think, man, God is so gracious. You know, how could I say that thing to my child or not be gracious to them at certain times? You know, and he was so gracious to us. It's just amazing. So all those attributes are perfect in God, and they're all, they all demonstrate his excellent greatness. So praise him according to those things. Any comments? Questions? Screams of outrage? Wayne. Well, I'm thinking through this, and, you know, uh, because of the current things that are going on in our society and so forth, and we're thinking about, even sometimes we're talking about this persecution and and what is the antidote to our, our fears, our tremblings, or is praise maybe part of an antidote? Uh, you know, because when we think of praise, we think of God's, like you talk about God's attributes and stuff, and, you know, what, what's the antidote to this, you know, to our fears, our anxieties of what's going on right now, and could be praise and yeah. focus back on God's attributes and what he did in the past. And, or are we going to just sit there and focus on the stinking uh, persecution thoughts and things coming up? Satanic crap that's coming on. Mm. We're going to focus on God. Oh, that's good. You know, and give him praise. Put that in our mind. And instead of anxiety mm. and hatred... And all this other crap that's going on all the time, you know? Yeah. Where are we going to stand as Christians in this day and age now? Right. Instead of focusing on persecution, about woe is me, I'm talking about myself, you know, mm. and anxiety and trembling and fear, you know? Yeah. And uh, focus, turn that whole, everything around, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think this is one antidote, if not... Great antidote, you know. Yeah. No, that's that's good, Wayne. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. I just I, I want some answers because I'm sick of this. Mm. Uh, worrying about persecution and hearing all this crap from even Christians on podcasts about worrying about this, worrying about that. Mm-hmm. We got a God that's you know brought down to a little medieval, little nothing. Right. That we treat him like, you know. Mm-hmm. That can't do nothing for us. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I agree. I think, uh, uh, like Job, we got to praise him for the things that can't be mm-hmm. stolen, that can't fade or uh, wither away. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the salvation that we have that's uh, eternal. Right. Praise him when good things happen, not just uh, 
praise him when we need something, want something. Uh, yeah, that's good. That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Stuff that's, that's happening. Mm -hmm. Pray for, in a response to fear. But, and, yeah. hey, we're at church. We're so fortunate to 90% of the world. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I, that's why I liked what Todd was saying this morning as far as you know, sometimes there is such a talk of this dark world and things are really going down and things are, you know, things are really, you know, turning, you know, society is really going downhill and it, it is. Um, but we don't have to focus on that um, because we, we actually are able to bring light. We're ambassadors of the good news mm -hmm. and the darkness makes the light stand out even brighter. Um, and so um, I think sometimes we can be just so, even just our talk about it can be so negative. Yeah. Um, when we, at the, you know, we, we've got scripture, we've got God's word, we've got the spirit of God. And if all the time we're just reading the filling our mind with the news and the news cycle and what the world is saying and this latest event, um, and, and we, we know that God's kingdom is coming and we can be, agents of reconciliation between man and God mm -hmm. uh, and we can hold forth the word of truth and the light of truth that's that's a lot more what a different thing to focus our minds on and fill our minds with uh, like Paul says in Philippians what are we filling our mind with mm, um, I yeah. think that's important um, just to see that it is a dark world but I mean that's Genesis 6 which happened pretty early on and the world was continually doing wicked things so it's not really a surprise when we see wickedness around us. Um, and so uh, we need to hold forth the, the light of the gospel even higher at that point. And that's, that's our focus. And I loved how Todd talked about that. Yeah, that's good. Bill, did you have? Yeah, uh, I, I think for the last month I've been praising God for our freedom. Just our freedom. You think of freedom of speech. You know, right to bear arms, you know, the religious freedom. You know, you think someday are we going to have to go underground, hmm. like in China? You know, are we really going to get to that point and persecuted? But I think of all the men and women that died for this country, I think people just forget how did we get this freedom? You know, it was fought for. Hmm. You know, yeah, and uh, so I just, you know, I just praise God for freedom in this country. What country has those kind of freedoms other than us? Hmm. Yeah, well, that's good. Those are all good comments. You know, James says in James chapter four, <clears throat> he says, "Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you." He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. And when he's talking there about weeping and mourning and being miserable, he's not talking about, woe is me. He's talking about your sin. Don't, don't be flippant about your sin. Don't take your sin lightly and joke about your sin you know weep over your sin draw near to God and he will draw near to you and you can deal with you know, any of those issues if you keep that, that right perspective that is you draw near to God have an eternal perspective be praising him and um, now that's the that's the answer to be drawn close to God through the word so Chris yeah Peter says the same thing um, 
Peter 5, uh, verse 6. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand, and we lift you up in due time. So your confidence should be in God. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's mm. really what you just said, and Peter says the same thing. Yeah, yep, that's... And I, I agree with Wayne. We can get too caught up in those things. If, if we take our focus, we start trusting in ourselves, thinking we have to do something here. We have to, not, not to say we just go hide somewhere, but I mean, we have to keep that right perspective. And I'm guilty as, as, as everybody else is of doing that. So those are good reminders. But. All right, so let's look at, I don't know if we're going to get all the way through, but let's look at um, how we should praise the, praise the Lord. And these are... M- these things we're talking about here are, as I said, they're more um, <clears throat> practical. They're actually, he's, he's talking about um, the practicalities of how to do it. Not necessarily just the ideas, but he's giving us some, um, some instructions here. He says, praise him with trumpet sound, praise him with harp and lyre, praise him with timbrel and dancing, praise him with stringed instruments and pipe, praise him with loud cymbals, praise him with resounding cymbals, let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. So he's, he's essentially just talking about using you know, your gifts and just using everything you have to praise the Lord. And he gives us some specifics here. We don't want to get too caught up in these specifics, but he does talk about using musical instruments to praise the Lord. He talks about using musical instruments. He, he talks about praising the Lord through our singing. Um, let's see. He says, praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments. So the timbrel is just essentially like a tambourine. So just praise him with everything. What would, what would happen in those days is the king would <clears throat> have a victory over a certain nation, whatever. You see this with Saul when he's coming back after a battle, or even with David. And you see these ladies are out there dancing around with these timbrel, timbrels, like tambourines, dancing in the streets and praising the Lord. But David did this as they brought the ark back and praising the Lord. We see that. Uh, he's dancing, he's praising God as they're bringing back the ark to Jerusalem. Um, while Saul was the king, the ark fell into the Philistine, the hands of the Philistines, if you remember. And then uh, David wanted to bring it back when he became king. And the first time he wanted to bring it back, he said, let's bring the ark back. But he didn't really, obviously he didn't get instruction from the priests on how you're supposed to do this. So they just put it on this, ar- this cart and they start to bring the ark back to Jerusalem well, as it's, it's coming, as they're bringing it, it goes over a bump and it starts to tip. And just like the rest of us probably would do, this guy, Uzzah, he goes to, to stabilize it. And as soon as he touches it, he dies. It's because, for one, what made this guy think that he, he was cleaner than the dirt that the ark was going to fall on? But more importantly, it was being done disobediently. I mean, it wasn't being done the way God had told him it needed to be done. He was doing it the wrong way. So David got upset, but he went back, he found out how it was supposed to be done. So then he had the priests carrying it the way they were supposed to be doing it, and they did bring it into Jerusalem, and when they were doing it, David was singing and dancing, praising the Lord for this. But the, as I said, the, um, that's just uh, you know, one way to do it. So the, I, I want to ask you a question, not because it's a... Uh, Maybe a, a, a big deal to some, but I just, I've had this question before from people, and I wanted to get your perspective on it. So uh, maybe you guys can throw this out there, throw this to me, and we'll see. What about the dancing that David talks about here, or that the psalmist talks about? Should we praise God with dancing? Jordan. 
demonstrate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I wouldn't have hurt my hip, you know, I'd be good. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? What do you think, Jordan? playing the, the lute or playing the drums or playing the, the cymbals or whatever, those, you know, there is the action of doing it and that is instructive, okay. but um, you could be, you know, like First Corinthians 13, you could be playing just like a, a cymbal mm. and it's not the heart behind it is missing. And so um, we want to have the heart behind worship, not just the action of playing yeah. the instrument or just the action of dancing. Mm -hmm. uh, those, any of those things could be done in a self-exalting way rather than a God-exalting way. Okay. So, um, you know, our particular church culture doesn't, we don't really dance um, in worship of the Lord. Okay. Uh, I think in some cultures that, that is more appropriate. You go to parts of Africa, that's a huge part of their service is dancing yeah. for the Lord. Um, and um, I think that that's, that's, that's a wonderful thing if the heart behind it is exalting God and not exalting man. Okay. Anybody else? Well, David had a heart after God's own heart. Right. Okay. I, if, if, it was, if it's okay for God, then I think it's okay for me. Okay. Um, I'm hoping I can dance in here. I'm not. Did you? <laughs> I'll do the shuffle. Oh. Shuffle. Um, I, think, I, think and, I think it's like any other instrument. Of, mm -hmm. It can be used for good, or it can be used whether it's for praising God. or. Okay. Obviously not the song. Right. <laughs> Rachel, did you have? Yeah, I've heard, like, I think Justin Peters come out against that. Justin Bieber? What? Justin oh, Justin Peters. No, I didn't. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's dance at a worship service, but, yeah. but, like, you know, you see, church, like, a lot of Justin Peters, like, uh, stuff that he came out with, you know, he'd show clips of people in these worship services, and they're, like, you know, falling down, bowing, and like, and dancing, and just kind of freaking out, essentially. And he kind of comes out against that as like proof that it's a, it's not true worship. And I guess like, I mean, it's yeah, I would kind of feel uncomfortable if anyone started break dancing in our church. Like, but scripture says that obviously like people do dance to the Lord. So is it just a cultural thing that we just don't find acceptable, or is like, like to Justin Peters, he thinks it's 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 that's only tied to like the NAR and like tied to those type of Hillsong churches or the Bethel churches that dance that way. Yeah, I, I, I would say, Chris, did you want to say something real quick before? Uh, no. no, I was just thinking waltz is okay, salsa. Okay, salsa's not, yeah. <laughs> I think as we're all kind of seeing with all these things, it's the heart behind it, but I think dancing is going, if it, it's going to take attention away, it's going to take attention away from the Lord. And if it takes attention away from the Lord, you don't, you don't want to do it. Now, the cultural thing, Africa, yes, I've seen that. And, you know, you, you, obviously you can't have dancing that's done immorally and is taking attention away from the Lord, then it's, it's just wrong, you know, to do that. If it's going to cause somebody to stumble or somebody to sin. Um, are there certain um, dancing that may be acceptable? Well, you know, that would be, I guess, a case-by-case -case basis. And um, if, as long as it's not taking the glory away from the Lord and putting it on somebody else. And I would say that's the nature of, if you're doing it in a worship service um, up front and they're, you know, I, I guess I would say no. I would say it takes away the, um, in, in this context, in our context, it takes away the attention from worshiping the Lord. But some of you may not agree with me and that's fine. Chris. But, but that's hard too because yeah. we could say the same thing about people raising their hands and everything. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, so that's the hardship that we go through, and you know, as, as observers. 
Yeah. I would say you're not going to... One difference is if, if somebody's dancing like as a special music, they're coming up front to dance. No. Or someone wouldn't come up front to do this for a special music, you know. So there's a context there as well. But it is, a, you know, it is an issue that we may not all agree on. So the heart, the heart behind it. So... And David wasn't in the temple either, dancing. He was leading the procession, right? right. So he wasn't in the temple in the in the worship service, dancing. He was dancing out. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just, I was just going to make a comment. There's times when you're filled with the, you know, you just filled with joy and you got to move. Right. You know, it doesn't mean you have to be in the temple. You can be in your own place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you get the sense some of David's dancing was private between him and the Lord. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I feel like a lot of the kind of the charismatic side of things when they're quote unquote filled with the spirit or, or dance, it, it is it is 100% show. It's 100% about showing that they have some special anointing. And really that's that's self-focused. And yeah. Really, I think that really grieves the Holy Spirit, that type of dancing or writhing in the spirit, that type of thing that you, that you see in a lot of these kind of crazy yeah. church services. Um, and so... It, it all comes down to the heart. Yeah, let me just end with this. We're not going to get through. You got the notes, but the, the public displays of praise should be characterized by three things in the church context. First of all, it should bring glory to God. Secondly, it should edify the saints by enhancing their worship and not distracting. And thirdly, these things should be done in an orderly fashion so as not to distract from worship. You can go to 1 Corinthians 14. And you can see how Paul delineates that from chapter, from verse 20 to 26. Orderly fashion, glorifying God, edifying the saints, not distracting away from the worship. So um, that's it. I'm hoping we were going to get through all of it, but we didn't. It was a good conversation. Um, the notes, you can look at the notes if you, if you didn't get them. There's more up here. That is the final class of... Um, next, what, um, I have to look at Bob's schedule. Bob's in charge of equipping our classes. So I'll look at his schedule and I'll, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll let you know next week. So let me pray, and we'll be done. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, this reminder today that we are to praise you. Uh, Lord, help us to keep an eternal perspective. Thank you for all the good um, conversation that we had and just um, remembering that our hearts are to be um, holy unto you and for the reminder that we need to f- focus on, uh, on praising you, on worshiping you, and not getting so caught up in um, all the, the, the negativity that's going around in our world right now but remembering that we are children of the creator of the universe. Um, You've been listening to a presentation from Maranatha Bible Church in Comstock Park, Michigan. No part of this recording may be edited or distributed without prior written consent. For more information, go to mbcmi.org. He is for us. Who can be against us? We praise you. It's in Christ's name. Amen.